Hi, I'm Sean K. Reynolds of Montecook Games, and you're listening to Morris's Unofficial Tabletop RPG Talk. This podcast is sponsored by Morris Unofficial Tabletop RPG Talk. Hang on. This is Morris Unofficial Tabletop RPG Talk. Is it sponsoring itself? But why? We're stuck in some sort of recursive loop, trapped in an infinite void of mirrors spiraling through eternity in an increasingly self-referential abyss, cursed to... Oh, oh, it's just a typo. Never mind. All the tabletop role-playing news We aim to amuse and we aim to enthuse And Morris is unofficial tabletop RPG Hello, 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 and welcome to Morris's unofficial tabletop RPG talk. I am Russ, a.k.a. Morris, or Morris, a.k.a. Russ. And with me this week is... Peter Coffey from the Southampton Guild of Roleplayers. Russ, as ever, it is a complete delight to be here. I bring a guest. You do? Fantastic. I do. Russ, tell uh, us who our guest is. I was thinking maybe I won't. Okay, fair enough. <laughs> Wait, perhaps it could be a mystery but, guest. Ooh. Well, then maybe that Ooh. would make for a bit of a rubbish podcast, so maybe I should. It would make a deeply rubbish podcast. Plus, yes. I feel that there may be a certain amount of spoilers because the name of the guest will be in the podcast. There is that. So, our, that. our guest is Panny Lines, who is here to talk about a new RPG called Shadow of Mog, and it's a post-Brexit uh, yes. RPG. Ah, uh, yes. Um, it oh, is indeed. Nice. So, we'll talk all about the Shadow of Mog a little bit later in the show, but let's do some RPG news for the show. Oh, yes, let's. Let's do some RPG. So... You know, we've had quite a few million-dollar Kickstarters recently. Yes, yes. We've had something like three in the last month. I think Mm. we're about to get a fourth. No. Who's getting the million dollars this time? So, this one is from Warchief Gaming. We've mentioned it on the show before. Yes. And these are uh, that group of devs that come from Blizzard and uh, they made like Warcraft and Diablo and all different companies. This group of um, video game people. And they have created a Kickstarter called Auroboros or Auroboros, A-U-R, Auroboros, Coils of the Servant, Mm -hmm. which is a D&D 5th edition setting. And it has launched... Only about two days ago, and has already done three quarters of a million dollars. <laughs> so, did you say a million, or did you say two million? <laughs> well, yeah, exactly. So, yeah, so three days, seven hundred fifty-eight thousand dollars so far. <laughs> so, I think that one million dollar okay. Kickstarter club is going to increase by another member very, very soon. It seems quite likely, probably yeah. before the end of the week, to be honest. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, this thing's gorgeous. I mean, you mm. can you can sort of see the pedigree of people who've worked in sort of big studio um, video games because the art is fantastic. There's a layout mm. and there's big maps and, you know, it just is the production values are off the scale. Mm, mm, mm. So have you, actually, have you actually looked at this one? Uh, I have seen an ad for it on Facebook, but it looked like another D&D setting. It I is mean, another deal. Well, I mean, that, yeah, that is what it is. Yeah, I mean, and that, that's great. And I really enjoyed playing the Warcraft games. They had a great story. Played through them. Uh, mm, I'm I mean, not hugely excited about it because I'm not convinced that the things that will make for a good story in a single-player real-time strategy game will translate this well. This isn't, this, isn't, um, this isn't a Warcraft thing. No, no I know. But it's like it's all, all the skill sets, as far as I'm aware, uh, have been based around that sort of thing. It's like... 
yeah, they can write stories and it'll be good. But again, I feel it's a different thing to write a setting that will support excellent stories. Okay. Sorry, Peter's in negative mode mm. today. Okay. Um, Adjust okay. expectations <laughs> accordingly. I haven't looked at the Kickstarter, but I think it's rubbish. <laughs> I, I haven't looked at the Kickstarter because it's like I, I already have D&D settings. I can make my own and that will be much easier for me to remember the law for. Okay. But I'm okay, sure it'll be very enough. pretty, and it will have excellent uh, law and world building. So, Panny, have you have you had a look at this? At yeah, all? Um, no, I did take a look at it. Um, you're quite right about the production values. Um, I think mm. the interesting thing is um, it's sort of like this um, wonderful full circle because I believe the uh, his name escapes me, but the, one of the guys um, behind it is the uh, lead one of the lead developers. I think of the original Diablo. From what I know of him, he created <laughs> uh, he created the sketches of his game in class in kind of based off of his original D and D world, like it's, yeah. And like he wanted yeah. to create basically a dungeon that's why Dablo goes down in these like tiers of dungeons um yeah. and so then he sort of translated D into his video game idea gone on been very successful and now it's looping back around and they're translating all these video con- game concepts back into <laughs> yeah. um yeah. tabletop and it's um, almost feeding itself i'm not sure it's um, i find that um development the sort of historical development of it really interesting um, yeah <laughs> i mean the, the people involved are, are chris metzen Mm-hmm. who was story and franchise development at Blizzard. So he did Warcraft, Diablo, Starcraft, and Overwatch. Mm-hmm. Then we've got uh, Mike Gilmartin, who's worked at Blizzard, Eidos, Maxis, and Atari. Mm-hmm. And then Ryan Collins, who's the lead designer, and he's worked on games like Hearthstone, uh, Marvel Heroes, Heroclix, and stuff like that. But this is, yeah, but like you say, this goes back to a D&D campaign. Mm years and years ago and um uh, it's now just sort of been published i guess very much polished up if it was a high school D mm-hmm. campaign <laughs> yeah i mean it's what like every gm wants to do right they want to turn their campaign into a massive thing that they can sell for millions but uh, but these <laughs> uh, but these people are obviously very um well good professionals within their industry who are able to yeah. uh, do that and yeah. have the weight and clout to do that with um, a degree and i think uh yeah i mean it looks like a, a very fancy world building document i do agree with some of your comments peter but he doesn't personally like um it's not something i'd personally be that interested in as i do my own thing but um, mm-hmm. i can i can see why people might be like Ooh, yeah. oh yeah oh yeah yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's like, I'm, I'm sure there will be people who will get a lot of things. I mean, it's not for me, but I, but despite the best efforts of this podcast, I cannot back every single RPG Kickstarter <laughs> that comes out, lest I reduce myself to financial penury. I'll tell, tell you what might interest you, Peter, is the character sheets. <sighs> oh, now you're talking. Because. Yes. Oh, no, I'll just give you a link to the Kickstarter. It's easier, isn't it? And then you can look at the character sheet. Oh yeah, that's much easier way to do it. Yeah, so uh, just to explain my interest in character sheets, I am of the eccentric belief that a character sheet is the user interface for an RPG, and therefore people should probably pay more attention to it than just knocking it off in five minutes. Well, the, well, the character sheets are very, very artistic, okay. so I don't know if they'll appeal to you or not. I mean, glancing at them, they look gorgeous, utterly, utterly gorgeous. Uh, but are they also accessible? I don't know. I don't know yeah. how practical they are. And the, the image yeah. of them is a little bit too small for me to see. So basically all you can get is a general artistic sort of... It's, it's about uh, halfway yeah. down, just over halfway down. The premium character sheet pack, is yeah. it? Yeah, yeah. $15 for the premium character sheet pack. Oh, uh, yeah. What's that? But do you see what I mean about how yeah, arty they yeah. are? Oh, yes, absolutely. Oh, yeah. They look uh, very planescape ish actually. Yeah, yeah. It has got a bit yeah. of that about it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so I mean, they look very busy as well. Mm. I don't know whether that would mm. get in the way of or. I, I, I got, 
I, I'm, I'm sorry, I, I feel like I've been like, stereotyped as negative for this podcast, but <laughs> I'm just looking at these and thinking, oh, but are they going to photocopy nicely? Um, <laughs> <laughs> photocopy? Like, what's, what's a photocopy? <laughs> Yeah, I mean. it's one of those things they used to have back in the nineties, isn't it? <laughs> I feel personally attacked. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe oh, fax one to you. <laughs> oh, thank you. Yeah, I'll uh, give you a I, call on your landline. <laughs> <laughs> right, what was what though? Uh, you best hurry up because I'm getting rid of that. Anyway, uh, yeah, no, it's, it, yeah, they, 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 they look they look nice. Um, yeah. I, I think this is the sort of thing that you could have, have quite happily on your coffee table. And just like open it up and enjoy the art. Mm. Oh, and they've even got some um, dice as well. Yeah, and miniatures and maps, and you know they've got loads and loads of cards, mm. posters, coins, collectors' coins, enamel pins. There's GM screens. There's got there's an awful lot of merchandise you can get. Yes, so much paraphernalia. Oh, yeah. for for a mere eighty five dollars, you can get a custom designed. Dice vault by made of Peruvian walnut. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, there you go. Yeah, yeah. You get dice boxes. You get, yeah, it's um, I, it's, I, it's, I, it's, it's it's almost a little game store, and it's on its own yeah. right, isn't it? There. Yes, yes. You can get all all, all the uh, all the merchandise. Very important. Yeah. Mm. yeah. Um. Yeah, I think this is going to be a a trend of these uh, like game developers coming and producing this sort of stuff. I'm reminded of there was a Kickstarter called Odyssey of the Dragon Lords, which was yes. by the Baldur's yeah. yeah. Gate uh, writers, yeah. I believe. And that, that did very well too, didn't mm-hmm. it? It did, yeah. So you've got these... Uh, these. I mean, people are realising there's money in tabletop, basically, and, and, and going, hmm, okay. And also, a lot of video game developers are tabletop game players mm-hmm. as well. They, you know, they've got in, the interests very much overlap, don't they, in the Venn diagram. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, it, 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 it's all I say this with complete love for all the many, many listeners that we have, and as I thought, but but it is, it is like a hobby for massive nerds. Right. <laughs> Indeed. <laughs> Actually, it's a hobby for nerds of all shapes and sizes, Peter. <laughs> okay, you can have tiny nerds as well. It's okay, Russ. <laughs> anyway, should we move on to some more news? Oh yes, let's. Because we can't spend. All of the day, just talking about that one Kickstarter. Yes, yes. Talking about how pretty things are is certainly a thing I mean, you can gorgeous. do. It is gorgeous, and yeah, I am right. a sucker for really gorgeous sort of high production values. I can't help it. Yeah, yeah. And I, I suspect I'm not alone, which is why these Kickstarters do so well. Because mm. um, you know, I, I, I'm half considering backing it without having read a word. Mm, mm. That's yeah. that's how powerful just having high production values is. Yeah. Oh, goodness. They even have, like, little STL things that can print out... Print, print out, out your miniatures, yeah. Yeah. Hmm. yeah. Um, hey, do you remember I mentioned last week, was it the week before the my Death... Did I mention it on, on the show or off the show? My Death Knight miniature that I made on Hero Forge. Um, I think you mentioned it on Facebook and or Twitter. So I made a, a Death Knight miniature, which is a Death Knight on a Nightmare Steed yes. on Hero Forge. Yes. Using their best quality full color options, yes. gave, so gave the uh, gave the nightmare steed like flaming orange um, mane and hooves and mm-hmm. red eyes, and the, the the death knight had a skeleton face and a helmet and a sword. And sh- it was brilliant. It looked country. really nice, gorgeous, yeah. absolutely yeah. gorgeous. Loved it to bits. Yes. Um, I ordered it about a month ago. Yes, Brexit. 
being Brexit meant it took a month to get to me from um, from the uh, uh, 3D printing plant in um, I think it's the Netherlands, mm. might be Belgium, somewhere. Okay. Somewhere wow, I thought it was going from the states. So it finally arrived after about a month. Yes, it was gorgeous, absolutely lovely. Um, so uh, it cost me uh, ninety nine dollars plus about another ten fifteen in shipping or something. So it cost me over about a hundred quid, give or take. Yeah, that is not. A small chunk not, of change. That is that is not a cheap miniature, is it? No, no. That's far more than I mean I I, I would buy like a board game with about ninety to a hundred odd miniatures for that mm. sort of money. And it was just a one off. Yeah. You know, I wasn't planning but, on doing it a lot. But but know. it's very much like appeals to your interests. We we yeah. all know how you like your death knights. So like super likes death knights. Well, it's partly because I was writing the law for the level up death knight as well. So yeah, it's just in my head, and I thought, well, yeah. this is what he looks like. So I'm going to make a miniature of him. Look, uh, I'm just saying that we know where you stand on Darth Vader and Lord Soth, and it's yeah. like you know, Lord Soth forever. Absolutely, it's all good. But so but, anyway, but, but, but the plot thickens. The plot thickens. The death knight arrives. Yes, and it is gorgeous. It yes. is a work of art. It has 3D printings. Brilliant. Colors are great. Really, really happy with the miniature. Mm. So I put it down to admire it, and uh, I leave the room. I make a cup of tea, and then, um, and then, then I then I come back into the room after having oh, ruined my desk night for uh, for a matter of minutes, and um, oh, um, and, and my dog had eaten it. Oh, yes. <laughs> Hudson had eaten my desk night. My £99 Death Knight was now a mangled piece of oh plastic in my dog's mouth. And he's sitting there looking at me going, what? I thought it was a treat. Oh. <laughs> he should have got the chocolate Death Knight. Fended <laughs> 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 the dog off. <laughs> That's not how that works. <laughs> so yeah, dog just... one, Hudson one, Death Knight nil. Oh, I was very, oh. very, very sad about it, and I did write an article about it on my site. Yeah. And very, very kindly, Hero Forge got in contact with me, <laughs> and they've offered to replace my Death Knight. Oh, which was very, very, very nice of them. Just, just on condition that you don't smear it in mints this time. Yes, I don't <laughs> feed it to my dog this time. <laughs> I was okay. so, I was so upset. I was so I disappointed. Oh. I mean, I gave Hudson my best disappointed look. That's pretty pretty disappointed. Well, I didn't have to act. I mean, yeah, no, was, <laughs> oh. I was wondering if he was shouting Khan the other day. I suppose that explains it. But it does sound uh, like Hero Forge looking after you. That, that's pretty that nice. Was very, that was really, really nice of them. I did feel, you know, slightly guilty because it's not their fault. No. It's not like there was a problem with the with the miniature or just just, just accept the pity win, Russell. Yeah, well, well not, I didn't turn it down. I mean, I'm not, I'm not that stupid. <laughs> I, I said yes and thank you. But I'm there you go. I, I am, and I am very grateful. <laughs> yeah, it's, going uh, above beyond. Very good uh, customer service, and, and yeah. uh, no doubt you'll order from them again as a result of. Uh, oh, well, I definitely will. Yeah. Order from them again. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, anyway, death makes a side. Yes. Um. Would you like to play a dungeon baddie? Yeah, right. What if I said you could do it for free? Ah, well, first you have my interest, now you have my attention. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's a price that's hard to beat. Yeah. Oh, I suppose I yes. could beat it. I could offer to pay you to play a dungeon baddie. 
No, I wouldn't do that. <laughs> so you do it for free, but you wouldn't be paid for it. Well, 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 technically, I suppose you should pay me because you should never do what you're good at for free. But anyway. <laughs> and you're good at playing dungeon baddies, are you? <laughs> so well, this is twiddled whilst you wait. So this was kickstarted back in 2019, mm-hmm. uh, and it's called Wicked Ones. Mm-hmm. But the, uh, the the creator has decided to release a free edition. Oh, so you know how Stars Without Numbers does that? Yes. So you can, you can get the free one, or you can spring for the uh, sort of like deluxe version and get the yeah. nice version. So yeah, it's like the art the versions with artwork and uh, generally the law costs money, but if you want the basic rules, you can get them for free. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So so they've decided to do exactly that. So mm-hmm. you get a free download, and it's basically mm-hmm. the full rules. Mm-hmm. It's uh, a forged in the dark rule set. Ah, interesting. Um, so it's quite an easy start. And there's rules for building a dungeon mm-hmm. and game mechanics. The, and you're, you're a monster and mm-hmm. you're defending the dungeon against those, uh, those irksome heroes that come along to try and ruin your day. Yeah, I mean, my understanding of Fortune and Dark is not the best, but it does seem like a lot of the character mechanics would fit right in. Mm. Um, like you know, relieving stress and so forth. Well, Percy free- Orcs can't get to a brewery, that sort of thing. Yeah. Well, the yeah. free thing is 325 pages as well. Oof. That's the free version. It's not small. Cool. We're not talking cool. like a 30-page PDF. We're talking an entire book. That That is a de- decent-sized book. Uh, yeah. ha- have you had a chance to play it, Panny? Uh, I haven't had a chance to play Wicked uh, ones. I have had a um, peruse of the rule set, and it looks yeah very mm. um, expansive and well put together. I think from a uh, marketing perspective, it's quite interesting. Like angling your PDF as free, um, especially on a launch, mm. seems pretty mm. smart mm. because the thing is, like you, you you want people to like play your game to get people interested in doing it and like mm. even having the pdf people will look through and if they like it they might be a physical copy um mm-hmm. and they might get more players involved and um it sort of grows up your player base and to be honest um pdfs eventually are quite easy to um acquire through illicit channels for better or worse and so um, people, people are, so <laughs> a lot of people will be doing that anyway yeah so and uh, that's certainly not? not a uh, promotion of that but yeah if people are going to be doing it then why not um get so the PR for that yeah, and yeah. why not have them come yeah. to you to do that? Mm-hmm. Where yeah. at the same time you can try and sell them something. I guess is the is the is the plan. Absolutely, yeah. And um, I mean, I'm and I'm currently working on a uh, a free version of uh, my own game, Shadow of uh, Mog, as a result of mm. that. That'll probably be releasing mm. for the um, public as a PDF. Yeah, I'm thinking of doing something very similar for my upcoming awfully cheerful engine as well. I might mm-hmm. release the core rulebook as free, and then just charge people for the adventures. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, sounds good. Yeah, that's another smart sort of upsell as well, like adventures yeah. and um, expansions, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, once you've got people hooked, yeah, yeah you know, yeah. 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 I think I think Lancer uses that model as well. Sorry, Lancer, mm-hmm. Lancer, 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 Lancer. Yeah. Yeah. Depends on whether you come from the north or the south. Mm-hmm. Not England, obviously, not America, where I imagine the accents are entirely different. Um, and really? yeah, Lance has been really good at building up like a um, really dedicated community. And I think because mm-hmm. they give out so much of their game for free effectively, but then they get playtesters who then give them great feedback and it, it sort of works out really well for everyone involved. So yeah. Mm-hmm. Hey, so Modifius have announced a new game. Mm-hmm. You might know about this one, Panny. Uh, potentially, I haven't. Uh, w- I haven't worked for Modifius for about a year now. So. Um, but uh, I've certainly probably heard of um, what so, what you're about to announce. So this is called Against the Gods Themselves. 
Ah. So it's a brand new RPG, and mm. it takes place in the same setting as Acton Cthulhu. Yeah. And they're not just doing an RPG, but it's a, it's a, a whole range of products. So I'm guessing there's going to be like miniatures, novels, the RPG itself, maybe a board game. Who knows? You know, there's a, it's Ooh. like a launch of an IP more than just a launch of a, a single RPG. Right. So, and they're launching it on all different, all different fronts. Hmm. So, um, Chris Birch, who, who we've had on the show, he, <laughs> he runs Modifius. He says it, it's a vengeance story against the old gods. And mm. it goes all the way through ta- through time in this big sort of mm. epic universe of characters and ancient gods and creatures. Right. I see. It's, a, it's an interesting take. So rather than going back in time and killing Hitler, you go back in time and say, Oi, Odin, have some of this. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. All choice. I like it. I suppose um, it wouldn't be a new section if we didn't cover some D&D news, would it? Oh, that's it. So mm. Wizards of the Coast have started oh, okay. a new blog called the D&D Studio Blog, where they're trying to, like, make themselves more visible and transparent about stuff that's normally kind of a bit behind the scenes. So mm-hmm. this first issue, issue, you don't call it an issue for a blog, what do you call it first? Post, Post, post I guess, yeah, yeah. is by uh, Ray uh, Winninger, who is the, uh, the the head honcho over at D&D for Wizards of the Ghost. He's, he's, he's running, the, running the show, the shebang, mm-hmm. um, and has been for about two years. Mm-hmm. And uh, the first one is from his point of view. So he just gives a kind of overview of what the D&D studio, I've never heard it referred to as the D&D studio. I don't know if that's new terminology or just the first mm. time we're hearing it. But the part of Wizards of the Coast that deals with D&D is apparently the D&D studio. Mm, and it's responsible for, like, the traditional RPG products. So it's, yeah, mm. the, the, the tabletop game, not not like the novels, the comics, the video games and all that stuff. So the things that I know as D&D. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So, um so the D&D studio deals with all of that, and it's divided into four departments, uh, which are game design, art, production, and product management. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, there are five project, uh, product leads who, who each are kind of given ownership of a product mm-hmm. and take charge of a product, and, you know, it's kind of their baby. And they are Jeremy Crawford, mm-hmm. Amanda Haven, mm-hmm. Chris Perkins, mm-hmm. Wes Schneider, and James Wyatt. Mm. But this is interesting. Apparently they develop almost twice as many products as they actually publish. Huh. Which That's is... A choice. It is interesting, because that means that there's p- potentially a dozen or so cutting room floor books. Whole books on the cutting room floor. Well, that I, is, well, I, don't know, I don't know what I they mean by... I a whole book, but still. Yeah, it depends what they mean by develop, doesn't it? How yeah. far they get into that process. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Presumably that means more than just suggesting it. In a meeting, That's, presumably yeah. it means something started. Yeah, they got some ideas. That that seems like a lot of waste, to be fair. <laughs> I don't know. Well, they, they justify it. They sort of say, basically, they develop more products than they need, but then that mm-hmm. lets them pick and choose based on how those projects progress. And they can basically, I don't know, cull the week, basically. So they're left with the, with the best things, which they end up putting into books. It's kind of like an internal playtest process, maybe, or something. Mm. Huh. Um, yeah, maybe. Or maybe it's just a thing that Wizards of the Coast is saying, 
in order to persuade other companies to go into an extremely expensive and wasteful um, development process, which they themselves aren't really doing. <laughs> That's what I do if I want to discuss competition. Do you think they're back Machiavellian? Anyway. <laughs> so. um, by the, I mean, by the oh. sounds of it, that's um, that's pretty uh, smart in a way. Like, in theory, that gives the actual um, sort of creative developers a lot of leeway to just sort of go mm. and branch out and sort of come out with lots of different ideas, which is sort mm. of their job, and gives them the freedom to do that. And then, and then, you know, and then as they've got some ideas down, they can then have a discussion about whether it's like marketable and publishable and stuff. But um, mm. that's oddly similar yeah. to how Valve work in a way, from what I know of like, Ooh. they pretty much let their developers go off and just do their own thing. And they cut, mm. there's like huge amounts of stuff um, that they don't produce. Then again, Valve mm. don't, <laughs> Valve kind of str- have struggled in recent they, they've years. They've stopped so. making games they've stopped lately. Making games, so I don't know. <laughs> but, but to be fair, it's example, like, yeah. why would they make Another no games? Another analogy might be Hollywood though. Mm. Like a movie mm. studio probably develops like tons and tons and tons of stuff that you, that never, never materializes. I, I, I think there's a certain amount of ambiguity of what word development means in this yeah, context. Yeah. Yeah. Like, if you work up a... It, I mean, they could, could develop all sorts of ideas to a certain extent, um, and, like, sizes and see how big the book would be. Mm. So, you know, well, uh, what art takes, book would be. Well, I say it takes 12 to 14 months to make a book. Yes. And that goes from the idea being voiced at a pitch meeting. So they <laughs> use Candlekeep Mysteries as an example. Um, mm-hmm. The idea was pitched at a meeting in January 2020. Mm-hmm. And released in March 2021, so that was 14 months later. Yes. Uh, and Van Richten's Guide, mm-hmm. that was March 2020. That went into production, mm-hmm. and it's being released in May 2021. So that one's that one's uh, you know, yeah, it's 13 months. That one, 14 months. Mm. So yeah. you know, it's it's not a slow, it's not a fast development process. Yeah, yeah. Well, it depends upon what stage they. Get to in the development because yeah, yeah. certainly yeah, for yeah. it's hard to tell the, the, the amount of work one would have to do, like getting almost to layout, is still a they, huge amount of work. I wonder if they commission sort of outlines, like that would be my guess. They commission outlines, so they'll get sort of like mm. a, a 10 page document. So, mm. right, this is what this book is going to be, and then they mm. maybe decide on that, and maybe some concept art, yeah. And, uh, and and work off that, maybe. I don't know. I don't know. I'm, make, I'm guessing. I'm making it up. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. But, I mean, it seems unlikely they're getting books on the cutting room floor because that is such a huge investment of time and energy. Mm. Oh, yeah, true, true. Maybe perhaps, perhaps they have the money for it. Perhaps, or perhaps, they, as I say, they want people to think they have the money for it. I am sceptical. <laughs> what's, what's also interesting is that they say the uh, Wizards of the Coast is fully autonomous, like Hasbro... Doesn't mm-hmm. get involved at all in the D and D side of things. Probably just like, as well, really. Yeah, yeah. No. I mean, I mean, they do when it comes to, I guess, you know, sort of the IP licensing and things like that, like movies and mm-hmm. TV shows and maybe toys and yeah. stuff. But when it comes Human to the resources actual, as well, yeah. I imagine. Yeah. When it comes to the actual D and D game, mm-hmm. Hasbro is completely, apparently, hands off. Mm. It's kind of cool. No, well. Don't don't mess with it if it's working. <laughs> I guess so. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So uh, also, just to finish off this little little segment, is uh, they talked a little bit about what's coming later this year, but only mm. in the vaguest of terms. Of course. 
Oh, so, no, we haven't had the teaser of the trailer of the announcement yet. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So we know we've got it's far Van too premature Mitchell's... to actually give us any details for us. Goodness. <laughs> well, you know you've got Van Mitchell's Guide to Ravenloft coming yeah. in May. Okay. Which I'm quite looking forward to. Hmm. Then later in the year, Chris Perkins will be bringing a big summer adventure to us. Ooh. We don't know what that is. Mm-hmm. Uh, James Wyatt will be delivering a substantially improved version of a concept that Ray Winninger initiated himself. That's mm-hmm. about as vague as you could possibly get. Who knows? Yeah. And so Amanda, have an idea and somebody else is doing stuff with it. Exciting. And Amanda Heyman will close us out with a project that was jointly conceived by herself and several other studio members. Equally vague. So there's three there's three new products coming out later this year. That's all we know. Mm, that's quite a increase in release schedule. That, that'll make five hardcover... Well, assuming they're hardcover books, it doesn't say they are. That would make five hardcover books in mm. one year. And it sounds... Could be wrong. It sounds like these are actually new material coming out. Because, as we recall, uh, we've not actually had that much original material come out of the Wizards of the Coast Studios. We've had a lot of reprints that has been uh, updated for 5th edition and sent out, but actual new well, stuff... Well, there's more of that coming, because they said last year mm. that they've got over the next couple of years. Mm-hmm. So we're talking this year, next year. Um, there were going to be three classic settings revived. And the first Ooh. of those is obviously Ravenloft, that's one. Yes, yeah. That's happening right now, coming out yeah. next month. Exactly. And there's two more coming. One of yeah. which has to be Dragonlance. It just has to be, with the books, with the novels. That, that's a funny way to pronounce Spelljammer, Russ. I'm very confused. <laughs> <laughs> Planejammer. Planejammer. Spelljammer and Planescape joined together. <laughs> the Planejammer's Guide to Spellscape, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Well, I don't know. I don't know. Um... I think overall, from a uh, again from a marketing perspective, uh, can you guess I work in marketing yeah. and tabletop marketing in particular? Mm. Um, this mm. sort of community transparency is um, a really smart move because it allows mm. um, wizards to effectively uh, control the conversation themselves straight from the horse's mouth, rather than um, the various rumor mills that get going on uh, Twitter and forums, which end up end up giving them quite a lot of bad um, PR well, as do, a result. I do find it frustrating when RPG companies get annoyed about rumours mm. about what they're working on. Mm. And it's like, A, people talking about what you're working on and trying to guess what you're working on is a good it's, thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If pe- the, what you should be worried about is people weren't saying anything at all. That's oh, bad. Yeah, yeah. Silence, oh, silence is bad. People oh, talking horrific. about your stuff, oh. even if they're wrong, oh. is good. Yeah. And B, if you're not giving out any information, then of course people are going to guess. That's what fans do. Yes. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. That's very true. Um, but like, I think being able to like control that conversation and steer mm. it is really important. Mm. War, the Warhammer mm. community page has been really successful in that regard. Like before that mm. came up, um, the games workshop sort of were like, uh, we don't really acknowledge the internet exists. Right. Um, <laughs> and, <laughs> um, and then they, they got a new change in, uh, their head CEO or whatever equivalent would be. And, mm-hmm. um, they suddenly were like community, community, community. <laughs> and they've done really well as a result of that because again, yeah. they, they released the teasers. So instead of getting some horrible like shot that someone's done on their iphone in which is blurry of some sprue you get like beautiful images from them about mm. it um mm. and um and you get a whole page of like people being able to talk about it directly and yes. there's still like trails off rumor mills blah 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 but like yeah. having like a, a central basis seems really yeah. smart in this uh in this internet age we do yeah 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 <laughs> well yes rumors can get a life of their own so, yeah. hmm. hey talking of um sort of 
internet communication and companies talking to their customers. Ian Publishing's latest employees started work this week. Mm. So Sarah Elson is our new community and media manager. Oh, nice, nice. Which is really, really exciting. And we've already got some plans for a streaming demo, possibly run by me. Possibly. Mm-hmm. I'm going to do a oh. test oh, oh, first yeah. and see if I'm okay with it and whether it comes out all right. So I'm not, I've, I've never, I've never streamed or run anything on a camera before. So we'll see. But it's much like doing a podcast, I imagine. Just- yeah, maybe. Yeah. Except people were going to be watching it live. So you got to, yeah. you can't edit it after the fact like we can. Here. Uh, yeah. But, but how much editing do we actually do? Though, to be well, fair. quite a lot. We, well, we, we did a quarter really, two hours and then put one hour out. So we edited quite a lot. <laughs> I quite a lot. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. <laughs> Yeah. Um, but um yeah so possibly run by me and uh, Sarah mm-hmm. is um recruiting um an elite team of diverse players for this for this uh, demo stream as a, as a sort of dream demo team which is going to be exciting then we're also planning a monthly news show mm-hmm. which is the end publishing news what's coming out what's oh, that's right. trailers and previews and stuff like that Ooh. And we—I spoke to you about this. I think Peter, uh, sort of one to two minute instructional videos. Yes, yes. On various things about the game. So, like yeah. in Level Up, an exploration challenge, you get a person telling you for like two minutes, very quickly gotcha. and easily, Googleable, and they can find mm. it. How does an exploration challenge work? Ah, okay, now I know. Yes, yeah, like that. And we're going to get a sort of diverse range of people to each sort of do one of those. And, you know, articulately explain exactly how a certain part of a game works. Yes. Well, I mean, hopefully their job will be a lot easier because it's actually fairly good. So, (laughs) and easy to understand. So, yeah, that's good. Hmm. Yeah. I look forward to seeing more of this. And, of course, I assume you've given her her official ban hammer. Uh, to wield against the trolls of the internet. <laughs> <laughs> well, she she now does have control over all of our social media accounts now. So. Nice, nice. <laughs> well, it's got some big shoes to live up to with Jessica Hancock's um, particular Sass. style of delivery. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I suppose I suppose you could call it sass. I, I prefer the term rapier wit. So, yeah, uh, it was definitely very funny. So, all right. uh, best look, Sarah. Anyway. Dragonlance. Let's yes. talk about Dragonlance. Very briefly. Oh, God. Larry Elmore. Do you remember that Four Women of Dragonlance painting he was doing? We mentioned it a while back. He'd started work on it. Ooh. Maybe it was maybe like four or five months ago. Hey, I can barely remember what happened yesterday. Fair, fair. Okay. okay, so yeah. it was Goldmoon, Lorana, oh, yeah. Tika, and Kitiara. Okay. Standing in front of Sky, the Blue Dragon. Yeah. And Larry Elmore, obviously iconic Dragonlance artist, mm-hmm. uh, was doing a, a painting for, mm-hmm. I think it was for a client, but you can, you can actually buy it yourself. Oh, yeah. It's commissioned by a client. Uh, but he's finished it anyway, is the, uh, is the news, is the news PC. This week he finished it. Mm. It is available to buy as a print now. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so if you're a Dragonlance fan and you like Elmore art, this is the first new piece of official Elmore Dragonlance are in what twenty years or something? Yeah, God does. Ha, huh. that is interesting. Hmm. He does very distinctive greaves. They've always greaves. got like a yeah, like um armored chin pads. Hmm. Hmm. Um, and they've always got that uh, particular. They've always got very nice curl cues upon them. Huh. very nice. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. So, 
It's um, it's a uh, lovely nostalgia, isn't it? From mm. like uh, it's yes. just sort of, it's nice cycles of that scene. <laughs> um, it's cool stuff though. Um, mm. I'm always excited about bits of D and D history when they get revamped. To be honest, so. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Cubicle Seven has renewed the Lone Wolf RPG. Oh goodness! Mm. Uh, based off the books by Joe Diva. Yeah, so they were they were doing it. Back in as far back as 2013, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think Mongoose Publishing had it before then. Yep. Uh, and then, of course, Joe Diva um, passed away last year or the year before. Right. Okay. So I'm guessing this is kind of a renewal of the license now. Yeah. Which yeah. allows, well, I mean, with, with, but- with the estate, which allows, uh, which allows Cubicle 7 to carry on making more local stuff. Yes, um, sort of fighting fantasy books for people unfamiliar with the thing, as I recall. Yeah. Is that a fair summary? Yeah. Oh, well, that's, that's what Joe Diva wrote, but of course, Cubicle mm-hmm. 7 are expanding on that with like the Lone Wolf Adventure game, which is the RPG. Right. Okay. And possibly other stuff, who knows? But, uh. Yeah. So going from a choose your own adventure to, uh, uh, more of a, I don't know, group affair. Yeah, it's been around, that's been around since 2013, but this is just kind of like a, since Joe Diva died a couple of years ago, it's kind of a renewal of the license, I guess, is what that is. Oh, Rush, you can't expect me to keep up with things that happened a mere eight years ago. <laughs> <laughs> there is that. Yes, yes. Right. I'm going to find some more news for us to talk about. There must be more news. Have you checked Daryl's column? I am now checking Daryl's column because I ran out of news myself. Um... Not much. There's a couple of new books for Legend of the Five Rings and Fantasy Flight games. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's Fields of Victory, which is large-scale warfare. Mm-hmm. And it also includes the Badger Clan for player characters. The Badger Clan. Wow, that sounds amazing. <laughs> <laughs> and there's the book, uh, uh, sorry, Blood of the Lioness, which is an adventure which is focused on a brewing war. And both mm-hmm. of those are currently available. Cool. Um, the I mean that game's been around for a a while now, hasn't it? It's yeah, cool. They're still launching uh, lots of content for it. Yeah, I'm not sure what's going on there because Fantasy Flight Games, I thought, weren't doing RPGs anymore. I thought that had all shifted off into a, a second, a sister studio. Mm. But I guess they're still doing this one. I know Star Wars got shifted off, didn't it? Yeah, I'm not sure personally. It might have been specific products or whatnot. Yeah, um, I, I'd, I'd have to I'd have to look it up, but definitely there was a bit of organisation going on there. Mm-hmm. Uh, the only final bit of information I can find is that Baldur's Gate, Baldur's Gate 2 and Icewind Dale got enhanced again this week. <laughs> how many times can they release enhanced editions yeah. of Baldur's Gate? Like, how, how old is that in, game now? Uh, oh, 90, it was 90s, wasn't it? Mid-90s, I want to say. Um, the original. Well. All right. We're of less of your sass, young man. Factual sass. <laughs> The worst kind. <laughs> the worst kind. <laughs> I love those games. <laughs> well, I play- oh, no, you really play them. Like, uh, what, what should you dare play them? Absolutely. <laughs> I've played, yeah. <laughs> yeah okay. no, no, I've just played the Enhanced, Enhanced, Enhanced Edition. Yeah, so the, the updated Enhanced <laughs> Revised Editions. Yeah. yeah so the, the ones where you can actually see the characters and they have faces as opposed to a collection of pink pixels. Yeah. <laughs> So this one's, yeah. these ones have brought them up to 64-bit. 
Oh, exciting. Matching oh. the N64. <laughs> Baldur's Gate 64. Yeah. Um, it allows the games to be played on Mac OS X again. Oh, it's good to see wow. the Mac games. Because Mac OS X hasn't been around for a couple of years. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, your editor Daryl here. So the OS X mistake, that's my fault. I don't really know a lot about Apple systems as I use Windows and Android devices, but what I was trying to say in the column is that the move from a 32-bit architecture to a 64-bit means that Mac users will be able to play the games again since Apple decided to prevent all 32-bit software from running on their systems a while back. The move to 64-bit also means that the games will have enhanced stability and compatibility for Windows 10 as well, mitigating the problems many people have attempting to play older games on modern operating systems. Um, there's 11 new character portraits, 7 new character voice sets. Uh, really? Um, and uh, Mark Mir, who is mm-hmm. the male shepherd from Mass Effect has reprised his role as Alvius Malcanter and Bailoff Barital and a host of bug fixes, patches, optimization, multiplayer functionality, updates, hotkeys, and balance, and bug fixes and spells. Hotkeys as well? Well, I mean... Yes, hotkeys. Wow, they're going all out. I don't, want yeah. it. I don't want my keys to be hot. That would be a... <laughs> <laughs> See, Just I, imagine I think... typing. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Possibly some sort of key warmer for colder mornings. That would be good. <laughs> there you go. If you want to play Baldur's Gate again, 30 years after it first came out, in an enhanced, updated, revised <laughs> edition, you can. The next Thank step's us. like the unenhanced, unenhanced <laughs> The unenhanced, right, no, 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 It's like no, 8 bit. Yeah, the released <laughs> the classic edition. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, just go, just loot round. It's like... Right, so we have definitely finished the news now then. Okay. <laughs> Let's move on. It's time to play our favourite game. It's time to play the game. Our favourite game in all the world. Guess the Kickstarter from just the name. And shall we play our favourite game in all the world? The game where I read out the name of a Kickstarter and you try and guess what it is from just the name. Ooh. Yeah, sounds good. Me with equanimity. I'm, I'm uh, excited. Uh, uh, <laughs> I, 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 uh, I'm sort of used to it. <laughs> so, Panny, you, you're not familiar with the game, are you? So, um, what happens is, well, I'll tell you what, we'll let Peter Ooh. go first and then you'll see what happens. And awesome. We'll do two each. And then I give, out, I give out the final score so we find out who won. Don't forget it's using a highly scientific spreadsheet. It's, yeah, the scoring <laughs> system is very, very, very scientific. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Completely unbiased, total objective. I would go so far as to say it is unimpeachable. In the sense that it cannot be impeached. <laughs> uh, I cannot disagree. <laughs> All right, Peter, are you ready? I was born ready. Hit me. What have okay, we got? Okay, then. What is Orbital mm-hmm. Blues? Oh, this sounds like an absolutely fantastic, I'm going to say a science fiction game, obviously, uh, where you're playing some sort of blue-collar worker who is, um, oh, we just had that series on Netflix. I can't remember the name, but it's got Space Captain Jang in it, uh, like Space Sweepers or something, which is basically there's people flying all around. (laughs) Well, well, if you just listen for five, for for just one minute, I'll tell you. 
Okay. Yeah. yeah. So you, you, it's basically they're sort of garbage people in space. They're sweeping up all the detritus in orbit, and it's like yeah, just um, they're, they're they're going along in their spaceships that's held together with WD forty duct tape, and uh, well, probably the WD forty isn't really holding it together. That would be more the system. System. Oh, uh, I think this is going to be an original system because I would like there to be an original system, please. And yeah, it's like focusing blue collar workers. Um, having a time, having a whole lot of time against the crushing, um, dystopia of a corporate control future, but they have a laugh whilst doing so. You are mm-hmm. correct. Yeah. Only one thing you got wrong was the system. Other than Is it that, 5A? you are spot on. So I'll give you a million points, a less okay. one point for getting the system wrong. So. Fair enough. 999,999 points. I can do numbers. Yes, you can. Don't know until you So the system is the best left buried system, which I'm not familiar with, but it's an existing system. Oh. So this is called Orbital Blues. It's a lo-fi sort of space western role-playing game. The influences are Cowboy Bebop, Firefly, Guardians of the Galaxy. Oh, interesting. So... Uh, it's kind of rules light. There's only three stats, a D6 system with three stats, 120 Ooh. pages, and you can get a free kickstart at drive through as well if you want to check oh, it out well. before pledging. Get in. Oh, when does that kickstart to finish? That kickstart to finish is on Tuesday, May the 11th. Ooh, nice. Yes, that sounds like a hot one. Hmm. I shall have to back that. Right, well done. So, <laughs> Fanny, <laughs> are you ready to give it a try? I'm I think ready. it's really easy. This one is called The Mysteries of Coral Cove. Ooh. Um, so I'm going to uh, take a guess, but it's uh, it's some sort of uh, role-playing game related. Uh, They're all role-playing game related. They're all role-playing games. Yeah. All right, all right. Yeah. That, that makes it that, that one point already. It's not, it's, not coffee, uh, <laughs> it's not like a coffee maker or a bicycle. Like <laughs> well, it could, be, it could be a miniature thing or, a, or I don't know. Um, so, yeah, uh, I'm going to say it's a... Um, uh adventure it's some sort of um it's probably a, a it's some sort of fifty adventure dungeon set in a um uh set in a um cove or island based setting uh would be my loose guess you are exactly correct and system <laughs> right it is for d and d fifth edition so this is a five e adventure um it is designed for kids ages mm-hmm. six to eight it's like a starter mm-hmm. campaign levels one to three. Uh, with six pre-generated water nymph characters, 15 quests, activities, and treasure cutouts. Uh, full rule set and built for three to six players. So it's like an underwater adventure letting kids explore a seascape and save the ocean Ooh. while learning the 5e rule set. Yeah. Which sounds kind of fun. Yeah, yeah. very cool. Uh, that one ends on May the 8th. <laughs> and I'm going to give you also a million points there. Which puts you one point ahead of Peter at the moment. Peter, it's your turn. Yes. Are you ready? Hell yeah, hit me. Okay, what, then. what is the mm-hmm. bleakness? Is it a cover band for the darkness? <laughs> <laughs> no. I don't think it's that. Um, the bleakness. The well, bleakness. Uh, I feel it is a satirical game uh, which has a take on... A whole world covered in darkness, um, and is looking at the various tragedies and 
um, awful things that befall uh, mummies and werewolves and zombies and so forth. And you can play any of these and um, you're exploring the dreadful angst that drives you. Hmm. It is not that. Uh, It is not that. Uh, What the bleakness is, is a survival horror RPG in which you Mm -hmm. play pilgrims traveling Mm -hmm. along a dark and horrible ancient road. Probably probably should have used Google Maps, eh? (laughs) Uh, So um, the journey leads north towards enlightenment, but the journey is deadly. It uses a statless D20 engine with simple Mm -hmm. mechanics and a 70-page book. Um, you can pick up the book for $40. The Kickstarter ends on Friday, May the 7th, and it's an original system. So if I'd said uh, Horror Fantasy Oregon Trail, I'd have been bang on. I guess so, but you didn't say yeah. that. So I didn't. Sadly, yeah. sadly, you get no points. Oh, fair. So, Panny, you are currently one point ahead. Woo. All you I have, have to do minus is not score negative points to win. Ooh, okay. Yes. So that can be quite challenging, but I believe yeah. in you. That is a thing that can happen. Yep. How about Archelon Chronicles? A R K E L O N. Okay. Um, I'm going to say this is um, a um, sort of yeah. I'm going to say this is like a um, sci-fi um, uh, full system and setting with probably a big focus on the uh, setting. I'm going to imagine it's a um, Kalana. There's probably robots um, involved within the um, world, and it's sort of some sort of quasi-futuristic setting, but it's probably like science fantasy. So it's um, still got uh, guns and maybe swords and mechs and other such things, um, but also um, and yeah, and I'm going to say it uses its own uh, unique system as well. But the focus is probably going to be on the world. You are correct. It's a science fantasy <laughs> tabletop RPG. Uh, it's in mm-hmm. French or English. Uh, and in, it's a world where recently discovered alien tech has basically catapulted a fantasy setting forward by centuries. Um, and mm-hmm. the game has 12 classes and races, monster creation, a big detailed world history. Um, it's geared for a safe and inclusive experience and makes it fantasy and sci-fi. As the world evolves, Ooh. letting you explore new concepts in every adventure. Hmm. It's a Canadian product, uh, $20, 20 Canadian dollars for PDF, ending on May the 11th. And, Panny, I'm going to give you 10 out of 10 for that, which gives you 1 million and 10 points in total. Woo! To Woo. Peter's 999,999, <laughs> <laughs> which does, I believe, put you 11 points ahead. All right. <laughs> which means I declare you the winner of this week's favourite <laughs> game in all the world. Congratulations. Well done. Thank you. The, uh, the trophy is a meta- metaphorical trophy which you can take home. It's a smug sense of self-satisfaction. I, I do feel very uh, smugly <laughs> self-satisfied. So, yeah. I, I got that spot on in one word. Yeah. Nice. Um, good, good naming, I guess, as well, on their, on their yeah. account. <laughs> oh, well, yeah, yeah. If you, if, you, if you hear the title and you guess what it is, I guess they've done their job correctly, haven't they? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Um, the importance of a good t- title. So you say, like, oh, that sounds really interesting. Mm. <gasps> How exciting. Yeah. And since we're on the top topic of Kickstarters, I've got a, a launch date for the Awfully Cheerful Engine now. Oh, really? Definite launch date for that Kickstarter campaign is May the 18th. Oh. It's happening. It is now happening. May the 18th is launching. And unlike my series of mini quick starters, it's going to be a full month. It's been the first full month one I've done in about a year. 
Oh, where's how he's having stress? It's going to be difficult. It's going to be yeah. awkward. Yeah. Oh, well. So you're going to be difficult and awkward. Well, that's, well, that's just normal, that. isn't it? That's just... Me. Yeah, yeah. That's just... Yeah, I'd be fine. I have my basic personality <laughs> traits. Aha! Barold, here we are. You know, at one point, I thought we'd never make it. But we did, Beryl, but we did. And now we stand at entrance to the caves of deepest despair. Sword and spell at the ready. Oh, I look forward to plundering the depths of this evil place and cleansing it of the foul and villainous monsters who make it their lair. And liberate some pokey treasures too, am I right? Well, there is that, but I find that crowdfunding has made that particular goal a lot less important these days. Crowdfunding? Is this some new spell you have devised, Jerick? No, no, well, crowdfunding is the most popular way to monetize your adventuring career. Have you never heard of Quest Starter? Quest Starter? No, I can't say that I have. Is that the name of that shadowy figure in the tavern who hands out adventurers? Oh, no, 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 Beryl. Quest Starter is a service you can use which allows the public to fund your adventures. Oh, I thought our adventures were funded by rich and powerful patrons. Oh, that's so last age, Beryl. These days, you don't need monarchs and grand wizards to reward you for your heroic deeds. No, no, neither. Little people can do it. The little people? You know, or the peasants and farmers and innkeepers. You mean the people without any money? Well, yes, but as it turns out, a lot of people with a little money is better than one person with a lot of money. Cuts out the middle man, you see. Uh, yeah, I suppose so. Uh, how does this quest starter thing work, anyway? Well, well, you proclaim your quest in the Grand Ledger. And then the town criers and the bards and the heralds, they will spread the word wide and far. Right, right. And then some noble princeling promises to give you 10,000 gold to slay a dragon. No, 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 no. I can see you're not getting it, Beryl. No. A thousand people each promise you 10 gold to slay a dragon. Ah. And uh, what do they get out of it? Well, a dead dragon, for starters. Plus, they get to feel involved. Involved? If they want to get involved, they can pick up a pointy stick and join us. What, and sharing our loot? No, Beryl, this is far better. Look, I took the liberty of crowdfunding our current mission. I did? Well, how goes it? Well, I lodged the quest in the Grand Ledger last week. I called it Expedition to the Caves of Deepest Despair. Oh, catchy. Yes, a, a good title is important. I was thinking of one of those mysterious one-word titles, you know, like just Despair or something. But I figured people wouldn't want to crowdfund Despair. No, I suppose not. So has anybody actually pledged to our cause? Oh, indeed they have. Indeed they have. So far, we have over 500 pledges. Between them, they've pledged over 7,000 gold. 7,000 gold? My goodness, that's ten times what the Duchess was offering. Exactly, Beryl, exactly. And each pledger not only gets the satisfaction of knowing that we cleared out the caves of deepest despair, they also get a badge and a signed portrait of us, the heroes of the day. Hmm. So, Jerick, 
how do they know if we actually purify the caves of deepest despair? Well, I suppose they take our word for it. I mean, I plan to chronicle the entire endeavour. But but what they're actually pledging for is a badge and a signed portrait. I suppose so, yes. So, 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 what if we just sent them the badge and the portrait and kind of, you know, maybe skipped the Caves of Deepest Despair part? Skipped it, Beryl? Yeah, just forgot it. Gave it a miss, as it were. Hmm, it is awfully dark in there. And full of dangerous monsters. So, you're suggesting that instead of adventuring, we simply make and sell badges and signed portraits of ourselves. It does sound a little bit easier, don't you think? Well, less terrifying, for sure. And it does appear to me that making badges and portraits pays ten times as much as risking life and limb to save the kingdom. Well, yeah, I'm beginning to see your point, Beryl. So, you see, why adventure at all? But who will protect the realm from the terrors of the abyss? I'm sure somebody will step up to save the day, some brave knight or holy champion or something like that. You know, Beryl, it is a long walk back. If we get started now, we can be back by nightfall. To the tavern, then? We can plan our next quest starter campaign. My brother-in-law makes these gorgeous taverns. I reckon we could make a fortune. Hey, so Peter, I was uh, I was walking down the road the other day and uh, I saw this bunch of really cool, good-looking people. Cool. Good lucky. That could only be our patrons. Yep. Man, I have never seen such a well-informed debonair bunch in all my life. Yeah, right. You know, why is that? I don't know. You tell me. Well, if I was forced to speculate, I guess it's because they listen to our top secret, super exclusive bonus episode every week. Bonus episode? What? Yeah. Each week, our patrons get an extra half hour or even more of extra content that nobody else gets to hear. Oh, wow. That's amazing. Where can they find this? Oh, it's pretty simple. You just head over to patreon.com slash morris and pledge a monthly donation. Anything from a dollar to whatever you think we're worth. Huh, I did a, uh, a scientific calculation once just to see how much we're worth. Oh, yeah. How much? Uh, you probably don't want to know. Probably for the best. Anyway, if you, if you enjoy our podcast, please head on over to patreon.com slash morris and, you know, just pledge a little. That's patreon.com slash morris. And thank you so much for your support. We couldn't do this without you. I reckon we could. Shh. Are we ready to talk all about yes. Shadows of Jacob Rees Mogg? <laughs> Indeed, yes. Um, yeah. I'm not sure I am. I, perhaps I need something. Perhaps I need to add some whiskey to my tears. <laughs> not sure I'm prepared for the horror. I, I, I mean, but by the way, I've re- I, what I've read, I absolutely love it. It looks amazing, but I'm, I'm, I'm not sure I could play it because it's just too fresh. Um, but yeah, wow. Um, oh, and we'll, you, yeah. we're going to have to talk about the splitters as well at some point. But anyway, yeah, sorry. <laughs> we're, getting, we're getting far ahead. We're getting deep yes, into the topic. Let's, 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 let's start, start at the beginning and let's actually introduce oh, the game and tell, and tell the listeners what we're talking about. Because ah, approaching things in a logical and chronological yes, order. Yes, we need to frame ah. it in a manner that is known as framing or something. I don't know. What am I talking about? Anyway, so Shadow of Mog, a post-Brexit RPG 
Panny, why don't you tell us what Shadow mm. of Mog is? Um, cool, yeah. So, ostensibly, um, Shadow of Mog is a... I uh, call it a post-Brexit game, but uh, in simpler terms, it's a, a sort of post-apocalyptic game set in the um, London underground. Um, mm-hmm. And you play as a, a group of uh, survivors uh, within the underground uh, following what's known as the event, which nobody really knows what specifically it was, but everyone lives underground now it's a uh, modern uh, apocalyptic setting so it's really meant to be set like not far after right now um mm. and it's um quite gritty in that it doesn't um there's no like uh, magic or psychic abilities or um fanciness it's just people like firefighters yeah. and nurses mm-hmm. and tinkerers and tailors uh, all trying to eke out an existence together and, yeah. so yeah so i uh I was looking through some of the, some sort of screenshots of some of the interior and a layout on this thing. I mean, obviously layout isn't the, isn't probably the primary thing, but layout kind of like looks a bit kind of like a scrapbooky kind of thing with like post-it notes all over. It's gorgeous. It's absolutely Mm -hmm. lovely. I like, I, you know, I was immediately attracted just to the general look and sort of feel of the game. Mm. Yeah, that's much appreciated. And um, I mean, scrapbooks is exactly right. So each of the individual pages in the game are actually, so I've done them myself. They're each an A4 bit of paper that I've then stuck um, various uh, elements onto and um, and then um, and then collated together, almost collaged, um, and hence what you get that effect. And then all the things like the things like the burn marks on some of the pages, that's actually I've burnt bits of paper, um, mm-hmm. to which my, my roommates would often be like, I smelt burning, so I figured you were working on your Book, yeah, which is one of my favorite <laughs> sentences of late. Um, so yeah, um, it's um, yeah, no, it's a really nice style, I guess. Yeah, it, it worked for me. Um, it also just disguises the fact that I can't use InDesign. So <laughs> I, was like, <laughs> I was like, but I can glue bits of paper together, so <laughs> I'm a genius. Um, so it's the Blue Peter style of uh, <laughs> RPG. <laughs> Um, well, my my good friend Alid Lawler, who works for Anima Press and actually did the artwork for this, um, also um, suggested that I go for that um, layout style as I was um, hmm. as I was pondering um, my various options, and uh, it seems to have worked out really well. Oh, it's definitely striking, isn't it? I mean, yeah. I I always really enjoy it when you see sort of experimental layout stuff mm. like that, mm. and um, like the scrapbook look. There was something recently we. Do you remember we had someone on recently, Peter? And uh, I remember that has happened. Yes. <laughs> yeah, and there were monsters or cursed items buried deep underground. Oh, this is not a place of honor. Yeah, and that was yeah. a kind of scrapbooky presentation as well, which was kind of awesome. Uh, yeah, yeah, uh, that, that, that's a that's a fair comparison. This is uh, also a scrapbooky presentation, but this is sort of. Um, I, I say this in like the nicest possible way, but like sort of the scrapbook. What well, well, it's sort of a scrapbook presentation of someone who's interested in putting together uh, an archive of things that should not be and where they are located. Whereas Shadows Over Mog really captures the. Blah, 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 blah. I'm looking for the word the fraying, the fraying thread of the fraying thread of sanity of someone <laughs> who has lived through uh, a Brexit and um, the. Uh, inevitable collapse of civilization as we know it and has uh pasted together things uh from various um newspaper uh articles that they have found uh using who knows what substances to glue them to the page <laughs> and it's sort of their survivor's journal um which i think captures the sort of the sort of the ludicrousness and the horror that uh are emotions that yeah you get to know 
Hmm. So who and, or indeed what, do you play when you're playing a, a game of Shadow of Morg? Indeed. So yeah, um, yeah. beyond the, um, I suppose, the aesthetic and um, the setting, um, at its core, you play um, one of, uh, there's 37 uh, classes in the um, game, uh, mm. which um, represent inferior broad gamut of the um, British um, public, but um, there's also a few bits of silliness in there. So there's, um, there's you know, black cabbies, landlords, uh, Brixton bobbies, um, butchers, bakers, um, but there's also a uh, chrono arist- Candlestick makers. Candlestick makers, yes, indeed. <laughs> but yeah, and but there's also um, like a chrono aristocrat, uh, which is a uh, <laughs> a sort of sort of time lord, sort of, but not Ooh. actually for copyright. A, a sort of one that was obvious, obvious, uh, that was obviously from Doctor Who in many ways. <laughs> Very <absolutely>. distinct. Um, <laughs> I saw the one that was obviously Boris Johnson as well. Yes, there is the, the wig, which um, <laughs> which is um, for those not even know an old word for the uh, Tory party. Um, in mm. Britain. Um, so yeah, and so you play as one of those, um, and, uh, character creation is pretty quick in that regard. You roll the class randomly because, uh, mm. we don't get to choose what class we're born into. And, um, <laughs> you, um, then play it out. And, uh, I suppose the key core unique part of the game is that everything that the group does is mm-hmm. voted on. So, um, mm. you, um, of course, if you want democracy. Absolutely. Yes, because it's democracy, yeah. yeah. So if you yeah. want to go in a certain direction in the tunnel, you have to vote on that. How you deal with a certain situation, whether it's getting over some electrified railings or dealing with a um, enemy party of soldiers or whatnot, um, you have to vote to how you decide to do that. And um, that links in with the core resolution mechanic, which is a dice bidding system. So you effectively mm-hmm. um, bid a uh, number of dice that you want to commit to the um, action if it's a um, significant action to be rolled for. Um, and then each party member does that. And mm. you roll a communal pool, uh, and you check what the highest result is, and then you narrate the entire scene based off of that. Um, and mm. the, the hook with that is, um, you can, even if you're forced into like doing something that you don't necessarily want to do because you were voted by it, you don't have to commit to the action significantly if you don't want to do it mm. because it's, um, it's a, a secret bidding system, but mm. you do have to live with the consequences of, <laughs> um, whatever direction well, things go in. So do different classes have different ways that they can interact with that? Yes. Um, so some in, so the, the most obvious way is each class has a set of, uh, stats. Uh, we've got hench, uh, which is like your toughness and uh, noggin, noggin, which <laughs> General is your muscularity. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> noggin, which is like your intelligence ish, uh, dash. Using like your head. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Uh, dash is your agility, uh, esque. And then bance is your like, um, charismatic ability. Yes. Mm-hmm. Oh, can, and, can um, one play as the Archbishop of Banterbury? Ten. I mean, there is a there is a vicar character, so yes, in, in, in theory, um, in theory, you could. And oh, um, that would be absolutely large. So, yeah. uh, solid reference off the hook. Mm. Thank you. Yeah, and you, um, you can try to pretend he's younger than he actually is now. <laughs> no, what, 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 what can I say? Sometimes you just have to pop out for a cheeky hand pose. Who doesn't love a? Uh, who doesn't love a cheeky nan? Well, I wish I could pop out for a cheeky nan. Yes, nando. I can't remember yes. the last time I popped out for anything. Nando and a cheeky nando. Um, yes, yes. <laughs> who would have thought that popping out for a cheeky nandos would be life goals at one point in your life? Well, maybe in a couple of months' time you'll be able to do that again. It seems unlikely. But anyway. Um, um, but I'm yeah, sorry, basically. Brad. 
No worries. <laughs> Tangents are all good. Uh, so basically, yeah, you've got stats and then you've got some skills that link to those stats and that determines how many like dice you can add to your pool. Uh, your stats degenerate. So um, if you roll a, a one on your stat die when you roll it for an action, your stat goes mm-hmm. down by one and you can heal those up. But um, mm-hmm. so, but if you commit to the action, you're also like risking your um, stats. And if they go down to zero, mm-hmm. um, potentially bad things can happen to you. Mm-hmm. So those are the sort of um, main ways to directly interact with the bidding system. And then there's a few classes that... Um, do a few interesting things with it like um the so the boris johnson-esque uh character the wig can uh, do a thing called proroguing um which mm. basically means <sighs> they can um delay a vote for a day so they right, can right. basically gam it up so if a vote doesn't go their way they can just be like i'm proroguing it and yeah. um nobody and everyone just has to <laughs> uh sit there and enjoy the consequences of to do anything. Yeah. Um, uh, have you ever seen anyone eat their own teacup before i'm merely asking <laughs> <laughs> anyway, but please continue I, I, I'm enjoying it in a sort of a horrified fashion it's very well observed <laughs> um yeah, and uh, I suppose the, the barrister can also like um, change. So there's a thing called a party manifesto. So, um, so when you vote on stuff, like to stop the party voting like every time on the same thing, you can like encode your like almost your um, constitution or your manifesto, oh, mm-hmm. so that you say like, okay, we will always uh, feed for the person who's weakest first or something like that well, we always so, turn left when we come to a junction <laughs> yeah exactly yeah. so you don't have to like vote for it every um time and the party will slowly build up these like uh, quite idiosyncratic list of laws but then mm-hmm. there's the barrister character who can just change um one uh word within that to <laughs> clarify it um so that can they can play around with that as well so yeah okay, this does yeah. Sound incredibly good fun what <laughs> what sort of avengers would we expect to get into then when we're when we're a bunch of butchers, bakers, and candlestick makers crawling around in the remains of the London Underground? Mm-hmm. What's what's going to happen there? Well, well um, some of it seemed quite dark from what I read. Like um, when I say quite dark, I mean horrifyingly so. Um, I don't know. Would you Would you like to? Yeah, I would agree. So uh, the game uses, I guess, what, what's called a lot of like emergent um, mechanics. So um, there's not like an adventure written into it, but there is a nice uh, big map of the London Underground. There's mm-hmm. uh, rules for how to like navigate through that map and when to roll effectively random um, events. But also the game has 36 uh, unique events to give you a sort of um, kickoff point of like um, how to like resolve events and different things happening in the world. And those events also work in a way as world building. So ostensibly, there's not like direct world building. There's not like a chapter. I've gone like here are the factions in the world but you can pick up bits and pieces and that sort of ties in with the theme of the game which is picking up bits and pieces and trying to understand what the hell has uh, happened it's an implied setting which you allude to as people play and they can build it up from that yeah that makes sense Exactly so, yeah. And there's a lot of random tables as well to um, like create things. And ostensibly, the uh, the speaker, uh, which is a, the GM in this game, um, can um, create their own uh, events or situations and hooks um, based off that. But um, as a speaker, you, you get to say order. <laughs> um, yeah, um, uh, pretty much. Yeah, I mean, the speaker is like the GM, but the GM's quite. Um, the GM sort of resolves things and make sure that the party is going in the right direction and, mm. and so on and so forth. But um, they don't roll a lot of dice for the most part. Um, they no. just sort of nudge things along. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's also very dark. Like there is a there's a big veneer of like satire and uh, humour with it. But um, underneath the surface, yeah, no, it does. Um, there's some some weirdly dark stuff from um, from people just randomly bleeding out their ears and dying um, unexpectedly to. Um, 
yeah, there's even a few references to um, some darker events in British past, like um, Seven Seven, for example, which is uh, very bleak. Um, mm. And things that have not happened in living memory, like uh, lynch mobs and so forth. Yes, lynch mobs. being one of the examples, yeah. Yeah, indeed, yes. Um, which is why I do emphasise almost on the front page the use of um, safety tools within the game, uh, specifically X cards, which are like a thing you can raise or tap when you like yes. something comes up which you're not happy about. Yeah. Um, and also lines and veils, which are basically mm-hmm. a set of like limits. Um, mm-hmm. So we, you can be like, okay, this bit about um, lynch mobs is a line for me, so let's not have that. And um, or you can have like a more softer thing of like let's not go into specifically graphic violence that would be about mm. and i think that's mm. really um important and yeah this is a game mm. that i should emphasize you need to play with a mature uh group of players who are very well aware of all the themes um and yeah. stuff involved um because it is meant to be an exploration of um in a way it's an exploration of like democracy and how it can fall apart um which we're all in a way been experiencing for the last few years yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. and it's not a pleasant um game and i've had uh in the playtesting i've had especially like devoting and being forced to do things um almost against your uh or suffer the consequences of things that you don't didn't want to do in the first place yeah um whilst that's you know kind of yeah it would suck if someone voted for something i mean it had all these consequences that you didn't want wouldn't it um it's also yeah. a very difficult thing in a in a, in a play sense to um experience because it's quite agency denying um, yeah so yeah. how does it kind of translate over outside the uk because i presume the core audience is probably going to be british people because they'll understand all the references and all the subtle you know all the in jokes and things but what about when you sort of like go to i mean do you have customers in europe or america and have they have they commented on it yeah no i've got um i've got a good few um european customers and uh, quite a large amount of um us Mm -hmm. uh, customers i mean the majority are still british but probably about 30 percent are um from the US or so. Yeah. Um, and I think the US is just such a big place and role-playing so big in the US that you're just going to get um, Anglophiles effectively or people who are going to realise it and think like, well, I know, I like Monty Python. Uh, right, yeah. And, um, that, and this, yeah, you know. Yeah, and that's uh, what British people are like. So. <laughs> yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, it is quite specifically drenched in um, a, a huge layered amount of um, references to um, British uh, culture and humour and media yeah. and stuff like that. Mm. And politics, obviously, but quite purposely so. And it's kind of a game I designed it in such a way that, like, if you saw it and and you liked this sort of thing, if you were in that Venn diagram, then you'd like hopefully just buy it immediately. Which right, yeah, yeah, <laughs> uh, which seems to have worked out in in a sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I think it's it's a really good game, and I'd happily recommend it i mean just the discussion of it has caused me actual physical pain so <laughs> like i gotta say i mean i was like bang on i mean you're doing an excellent job there so, so i'm afraid i i i can i cannot at this time give you money possibly possibly in a couple of years maybe i don't know we'll, we'll see how it goes but but right now it's still still too fresh for me but <laughs> it's uh well yeah it's sort of how i design i think like i want to um I want to, yeah, I want to, I want to create a <laughs> yeah. sense of uh, suffering and pain for the players involved. Yes. That is my, yeah, that, that is this... my design goal. Really. Mm. If, this is, if this is, if this is what you're looking for in a game, then you are absolutely nailing it. Yeah, uh, yeah. like thoroughly recommend. Yeah, I mean, uh, yeah. as I say, um, just the, just the discussion alone has just been awful. But, <laughs> but, but so, it, it, I mean, not not that it's been bad. It's just like I, I feel awful. Uh, you know what I mean, yeah. I know exactly what you mean. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, oh, um, yeah. 
and it's not going to be everyone's cup of tea, even even no, a British no. person's uh, cup of tea, because it does explore some um, very dark and also quite yeah. recent um, wounds, and it yes. sort of probes them. But um, yes. but I thought it was I was living it, and I just thought it was a very interesting thing to yeah. explore in terms of. So is um, it kind of geared more towards one shot play, or is it more geared towards campaign play? Uh, definitely geared towards either one shots or mm. like small. Um, like maybe uh, three to six sessions yeah, um, yeah. max. Um, the, the the way the game desi- is designed is to um, like to challenge mm. that challenge democracy effectively mm. and challenge mm. that democratic um, unit. So it's almost designed in such a way that it will eventually all collapse. Right. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. uh, which is within the sort of base structure of how the sort of game works and yeah. also how people work. I mm. found. Mm. Um, so yeah. um, it's almost not got longevity. And there is a few like hard like end conditions. Like there's certain uh, there's like a sort of anxiety, a Brexit anxiety mechanic in it. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, you have to like manage every, the group sort of, Mm-hmm. anxiety and if that peaks too high uh, there's a potential for, a, for just the group to collapse yeah. and just to be over on like a dice roll which is quite fickle mm. but yes. also is um part of the design of the game so yeah uh, um, um, it, it's very well designed and really does capture that uh i like the conceit of using the london underground because obviously that gives you uh nice linear encounters mm-hmm. um with no all this oh look a shiny thing and wandering off in an unexpected direction yeah yeah, very, very clever. So have you considered mm. doing variations based on other countries? Because like yeah, a, a, an American version would be fascinating as well. Yeah, I had considered a, a mm. sort of Shadow of Pence. Um, yeah. Uh, set in, uh, like, it'd be like a city crawl through, like, a burning Portland. Yeah. Um, which um, I'm still pondering but also trump went and lost didn't he so he just ruined ruined yeah. my <laughs> everyone's kind of happy in america now sort of i mean there's still well, huge amounts of systemic vast amounts of uh, yeah. systemic and social and political uh turmoil but um uh i wasn't i wasn't sure um and it's also tricky yeah. like i i also considered a um <laughs> a particularly uh dark and controversial um one which i'm not sure i will do called um uh shadow of uh, i'm gonna butcher his name uh bolsonaro who is the brazilian uh leader mm. and it would be a sort of hex crawl through a burnt rainforest right right but um, that, that feels uh, like punching down at that point it does yeah no this is this yeah. is a, these are thoughts i've had but then i'm like um i think i, games I, think, like this I think this one is more yeah. personal really yeah yeah, yeah, as soon as you start extending into someone else's culture, even if it's um, you know American culture, which we're to a degree tied with, mm. you have to be so so much more careful. Like I feel confident to do this because I'm I'm yes. English and yeah. it's and well, it's you, so mired. You, you, you can always bring on bring on freelancers mm. from those cultures. Though. Mm-hmm. The... You can, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, but it, again, like yeah, the, the Brexit thing, I was living through it. It felt like something I could yeah. Um, yeah. write yeah. about and design when it's something you know over the pond, as it were. It, ah, it's a it's a tetchy one. So I suppose I'm not it's a bit sure. more abstract to you personally as well, isn't it? Yeah. If you're not mm-hmm. living through it personally, I, so. I, I feel I feel it's got to be personal, really. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. and um, yeah, I mean, I mean, this game is quite personal. A lot of the references, are, you know, just weird TVs like Monty Python. I grew up watching and stuff like that, um, and um, silly bits and pieces. So. Um, yeah, uh, I think you do have to be careful with like, mm. uh, especially like politically angled um, games when you're dealing with like real people and real cultures and real yeah, situations sure. in the world. Um, so I'm, I'm very, uh, I probably, <laughs> I probably will, I might do some expansions to this. I don't know to have some, um, yeah. some more events, more classes, that sort of jazz. Um, but I'm not sure if I would uh, personally transpose it. Though, if there's a budding designer out there within those cultures who wants to do something similar, please do. Mm. Um, 
I think, yeah, I think, yeah, I think politics is an interesting thing to explore in games. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. 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 It kind of feels a a bit spitting image as well. A little bit, Mm -hmm. a little bit, a little bit, have I got news for you? And a little bit private eye. Mm -hmm. It's a, it's a, it's a very cruel satire, which is part of the appeal, really. Um, Yeah. Um, Yeah. I mean, yeah, that's the sort of stuff I grew up on as well. Like, yeah, have mm. I got news for you? And, um, Mm -hmm. big lover of, um, uh, yeah, and private eye and all that sort of jazz. And brass eye as well, I expect. Brass eye, yeah, like lots of brass eye, and yeah, mm. again, why I say it's quite personal, which is why I suppose I was able to um, to craft it all together. Yeah, um, mm. definitely, definitely worth looking at. Goodness, um, uh, I suppose I would normally think about asking about expansion packs, <laughs> <laughs> but it's like, well, yeah, I don't know. Maybe we'll just have to wait and see how it goes. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean that's my feeling. I mean, in terms of expansions, I would the one thing I that's missing from the game, but I would like would have liked to um, explore would like be like a detailing out um, specific uh, stations in more detail, like Oxford Circus mm, or like yeah. Kings Cross. Um, and when I run the game, I've done them in quite like, so Oxford Circus. I've done as literally a, a circus. So there's just yeah. everyone brings animals there, <laughs> and yeah. the way you get into it is to like donate an animal to the circus um, mm. and so, stuff so, like so that. Of- a little bit like uh, Neil Gaiman's Neverwhere there as well. Exactly, yeah, yeah exactly no. so. Yeah. The BBC series, I think, may be a little influential. Uh, yeah, the yeah. I, I think I listened to the audiobook a while, ah, there, yeah. a while ago. And mm-hmm. yeah, the BBC series as well, yeah. Mm-hmm. And yeah, that sort of thing. But I never, mm-hmm. like, I sort of hinted towards it, but I never, like, fleshed no. out how to. Because I'd, mm-hmm. I'd want to add rules to how to, like, explore the stations as well. And a bit, mm-hmm. bit, bit like your dungeon crawl rules or whatever they'd be. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. So, yeah, I've contemplated that. But yeah, oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, I've got the title for you. Sunlit Uplands. Sunlit Uplands? Yeah, yeah. Oh. <laughs> where, does that, where does that derive from? <laughs> it, it, it's it's uh, what we can expect post-Brexit. Sunlit Uplands. Oh. We can look forward to it. That's what we were promised. Anyway, sorry. Uh, I'm, I'm oh. in danger of getting political. Yeah. Was this a, was this a propaganda thing? <laughs> I'm not. I'm not sure we can describe it as propaganda. That would imply some sort of state machinery working towards it. <laughs> Fortunately, I think you're the only one here that even heard it. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah, sure, absolutely. <laughs> well, I didn't, and he didn't. <laughs> oh, yes, yeah. No, I. Yeah. yeah, that wouldn't be a bad name for it. Actually, when I think about it. Uh, and, well, I, I'm, yeah. uh, as I say, it's a it's a gift freely given. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> If, if something comes to you, uh, as I say, I think this is like absolutely, uh, it's an impressive game. Oh, I'm just so torn because like on the one hand, I sort of really appreciate the craft and the technique and how well put it together it is. Mm-hmm. But also I sort of hate it as well. <laughs> like, but that's sort, of, that's sort of your design goal there. So, you know, it's like, you're yeah, really, like, yeah. you're really nailing it. <laughs> thanks. I, thanks. I hate it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, no, I mean, that's, that's, that's spot on. I mean, and, uh, in a way, that fits like within an hour. I, I, I've never actually had to say that. I've never actually felt the need to say that to anyone <laughs> in the whole three-year history. But, but it comes from a good place, Paddy. It comes from a good just, place. Yeah. I, no, that's exactly it. See, that, again, that's what I sort of want to inspire. I want either, either someone who's going like, to just hate it or, or um, love it or it be in the middle and just not sort of get it. But um, I, 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 those I mean, extremes I, are, are very important. I, I mean, I say I wouldn't play this, but I can see like, you know, RPG conventions are back on the thing. The 12 mm-hmm. o'clock, the midnight slot is open mm-hmm. uh, or we finish playing games. Someone's like, it's getting on to midnight. She's like, oh, I don't want to go to bed. God, bit of shadows of Mog. I'm like, oh, I've had two or three pints. This is a terrible <laughs> idea. Oh, go on then. <laughs> oh. 
yeah, that could be a terrible idea after a few points, but um, uh, a wonderful idea too. Yeah, why not? Um, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it could work. At, uh, yeah, I mean, it is it's sort of something you'd pull out. Um, that's what. I, yeah, I've had a. Yeah, I think as someone um, recently, I heard about in a review or something that they were like, "Yeah, this is a thing you could pull out at a convention or whatnot, or a, or a, if your group doesn't turn up properly or something, and then just just like play it for a lark, I guess." Um, but um, I think at the core of it, like I am yeah. like the the group. Um, I've never seen. I don't know. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I've never seen a mm. tabletop game that's done like full group resolution, like because um, in Mog, like mm. there's no real way to individually resolve an action. You just you have to do everything as a group, mm. which I think is uh, interesting design place to explore. Perhaps in more yeah. um, more uh, maybe uh, broad or general or less um, yeah. as it were polarized settings and situations. Possibly some sort of absurdist science fiction setting uh or like maybe as a sort of a variant taken paranoia or something like that yeah fact, yeah you know what I, I i can see this being like a really fun way to run paranoia uh, or use the world building for paranoia and mm-hmm. play around with it there. that that would be really really quite interesting i mean there's like already an existing system but like you know if 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 that's your sort if that sort of thing floats your boat and you don't want to use paranoia, then yeah, you could use uh, shows and more, and that would again capture that sort of theme. The really lean into the thematic angles of like absurdity and pain, and just like this is our democracy, and this is what happens when uh, we push it to the limits. Which yeah. again is a clear design, clear clear water in the design space because paranoia is very much about the authoritarianism of a dictator imposing things on you. Whereas this is about, yeah, well, this is just, this is democracy. Do you hate democracy? Absolutely. <laughs> if you um, don't, if you don't, by the time, before you started, you will by the time you finished. <laughs> uh, quite. And I know, I mean, absolutely. The um, paranoia, I think, is a good example there. Mm. Um, there's also a game called Bluebeard's Bride, where you play as like mm. um, different, uh, different essences, effectively, of um, one like uh, character. Yeah. Um, and you play as like different parts of her, like a psyche, almost like the mother and the oh, maiden okay. and so forth, um, as she explores a sort of fairy tale um, mm-hmm. uh, kind of world. So yeah, that idea of like everyone cohesively as one is is quite interesting. And I think. Mm. Um, no, there's so there's yeah, there's elements within the uh, design there, um, and, and in theory, like in Mog, you can uh, you mm. can just vote to like you can vote to be a dictatorship basically if you don't want to <laughs> if you don't want to have to deal with democracy anymore. Mm. Like that is a that is an element within the rules technically. Like um, I've left uh, it quite broad in general, but yeah, yeah. yeah that's indeed indeed you did yes. <laughs> uh, right, I think it's time uh-huh. to wind up because it's coming up to four yeah. o'clock now. Yeah. So thank you so much for coming on. Yeah. That was yeah. That I, I really love this game. Yeah. I do. I, I I love it. I love everything about it. I love the satire. I love the topic. I love the. I just love the layout of it. I like the look of it, and I like the sort of idea of the sort of democ- democracy mechanic as well. Mm. And I'd love mm. to see that used more. That could be fun. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I, it feels like the sort of game that's sort of necessary. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> necessary in an artistic sense. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not often that uh, we actually get to talk about like tabletop RPGs as an art, but I think this is actually a piece of art. You know? hmm. oh, thank you. Yeah. Um, I mean, yeah. as I say, I hate it still. <laughs> <I'll go laughs> <like>. Fair enough. <laughs> um, but 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 I really appreciate it. You know, it's like you know, re- re- really, uh, you're, 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 well, there you go. Art is produ- produ- it's provoking a uh, strong emotion in me. There you go. <laughs> Bish bosh. 
That ain't, that no. is art. What can I say? You're, yeah, you're, you're, you're welcome. Um, no, that's all. That's all. Yeah. Uh, fair commentary. And, um, I think, uh, without going too much of a tangent, like, uh, not, in, probably not enough RPGs have ways to, like, adjudicate, like, voting for group actions. Like, yeah. in one huge stall is, like, the group just not knowing what to do and not being able to decide yes. and not having any, like, mechanical means within the game. So, there's um, no, to there's do no that. tiebreaker, mm. uh, except, of course, for the Raymond Chandler esque, well, I guess an NPC walks in with a gun, uh, and right. that sort of thing yeah. to, uh, prod, prod the plot along. So that, no, fantastic piece of work. Very, very impressive. Well done. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you very much. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, I think cool. we're done. I think we're finished. We I think that yes, is the yes. show. Thank you so much for coming awesome. on. Awesome. Like, yeah. yeah. So and thank uh, you both uh, for having me. Yeah. I, I, as I say, it is really, really good stuff, but like, uh, I, I feel how I feel about the whole situation. So, yeah. <laughs> I completely yeah. understand. So, this is, okay, uh, yeah. so, so yeah, Paddy, no, when no, you no. have, when you have something else coming no. out, Drop us a line, mm. and we'll yes. do this yeah. again. Love to do this again. Yeah. Oh, hell yeah, that'd be great. Absolutely, yeah, I'd love to do this again. I'll let you know. Um, uh, yeah, when my uh, <laughs> when I decide to stick and glue something else together. Yes. <laughs> um, yeah, <laughs> I'll get some Princeton. When your Princeton shit gun arrives in France, finally. Yeah, makes it through customs. Oh god, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm ironically. Um, yeah. Um, yeah. Cool. Uh, yeah, and yeah. Uh, yeah, no, thank you both uh, so much. This has been a lot of fun. Apparently, I now have to read this to you. This is the official podcast of Morris's unofficial tabletop RPG news, which you can find at enworld.org. You can find show notes at morris.podbean.com or wherever you found the podcast. If you feel like they deserve it, you can support the show on Patreon. In return, you will receive exclusive bonus content. Just go to patreon.com slash Morris. If you're interested in his babbling nonsense, you can follow at Morris on the Twitter. Send your emails to morrispodcast at gmail.com. Not all of your emails, just the ones you want us to see. That's it. I'm bored now. You can go away. Shoo, off you go. Goodbye. Get out of here. Okay, I'm going to choose one. I'm just looking through. That one is too obvious. Can't, I mean, can't possibly. Okay. Yes, you might, you might get this one. We can't <laughs> give that one to you. <laughs> How about, yeah. In your own time. Yeah, okay. Okay. Uh, I had to scroll <laughs> through them and choose one. Well, it'll, it'll, it'll be edited out. It's fine. <laughs> yeah. Scrolling and reading. <laughs> yes.